Uh, I think it's time that we start the conversation to silence the shame. Silence the shame. Si- silence the shame. Silence is the difference between treatment or pain, life or death. Silence the shame. Speak up now and silence. 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 Silence the shame. What's up? What's up, everyone? This is your girl, Shanti Das, the host of the Silence the Shame podcast. And I am sitting here with my dear friend, Free the Vision, who is my co-host. Hey. How are you doing, Free? I'm good. How are you, Shanti? I'm great. First quarter will be over very soon. I know. I'm already mm-hmm. planning into second and third quarter. Mm-hmm. All this good stuff that we're going to be doing with Silence Back. the Shame. So it's exciting. But I am excited about our guest today. Um, two dear people, um, dear friends of mine that are going to be joining us. Um, the first person I uh, would like to introduce who is kind of becoming a part of this crew mm-hmm. is also a good friend uh is dr april Armstead. <laughs> hey everybody what's hey. up <laughs> happy new Glad year to be here happy new year good to see you all thanks for being here again and thank <clears> you. being kind of our resident licensed clinical professional thank you so it's good to have you back Glad and then our, our two guests um the first person i'd like to introduce is Miss Kate Atwood, she's the founder of Kate's Club, an organization to help grieving children and their families deal with the loss of a loved one. Mm. I can certainly say I wish I knew about Kate's Club when I was growing up. Um, and you know my story. Yeah. Uh, as well as my siblings. But it's such an honor to have you on this show. Um, this is episode 19, Grief and Loss. And what a more appro- it couldn't be a more appropriate show to have you on. So welcome, everyone. Hi, yes. Kate. I'm so excited to be here. I have to say, though, I'm really inspired. I want to name, like, Free the Vision. Ah. <laughs> Kate is just <laughs> too boring. Um, no, but it's really an honor, I think, you know, to be in your presence and um, certainly to share about Kate's Club, but also just to really honor this conversation and how important yeah, it is. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And I just want to take a note to thank you. Um, Kate also works with um, Choose ATL in the mm-hmm. Metro Chamber of Atlanta. Oh, we've and met. you Actually, have been such a met. huge supporter for me, um, even through some of my own emotional struggles of just trying to figure out where Shanti Das, you know, fits into this new world, if you will. And I just can't thank you enough. Oh, my gosh. For everything it's, it's, you've done. It's been an honor to witness your journey. And I think when you said episode 19, I was like, this girl's killing it. <laughs> <laughs> so, you. yeah, I'm so proud. And like I said, I just, you know, I'll talk a little bit about my founder's story with Kate's Club. but. I think the best piece of advice that I received that I passed on to you is that when you start something like this that is so much bigger than just you, you can kind of just, you know, I think have peace that it will be as big as it needs to be. The the world will create the space and and it will be received. Um, And I think your trajectory has been so amazing because it's just so needed. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much. And, And I'm really excited with our caller that's on the line right now because... Talking about um, the trajectory of this movement and my own mental health and wellness, um, I have on the line Anjali Arnold, um, who is from Charlotte, North Carolina, who lives in Charlotte, North Carolina. She is a national certified counselor that specializes in mental health and addiction. But more importantly, she's my big sister, literally. So (laughs) everybody, please welcome Anjali to the show. Welcome, welcome. Hi, thank you. Um, So proud to be here. So proud of my little sister. (laughs) And um, I think she and I both have had such intimate um, experiences with grief and loss, Mm. uh, mental health, all of the above, which has landed both of us to the point that we are. Um, I am a recent um, graduate of my master's program 
Congratulations. Congratulations. So much. This is um, my second career. Uh, I used to be a CPA a long time ago. Go figure, right? <laughs> but um, just like with Shanti, um, I felt a calling to do something to help others. And actually in helping others, it's been therapeutic for me as well. Awesome. Thank you for having me. Thank you for being on. So I'm going to start with you, Anjali. Um, a lot of people really don't know that there is a difference, right, between grief and loss. Um, from a professional standpoint, please explain the difference between grief and loss. Well, first of all, let, let's talk about what loss is. Um, most people, when they hear the word loss, um, they automatically think that it is due to a death. Mm. Um, that certainly is um, the most prevalent loss that we experience, but there are many, many other losses that will take an individual through the grieving process. Um, loss of a pet, loss of a job, loss of a relationship. Really, a loss is sort of any anything that we are deprived of or without that we've had that's important to us. So when there is that disconnection, that creates a loss. Uh, grief is actually one of our five um, natural emotions. Mm -hmm. So grief is more of the psychological and physiological process that our bodies take us through when we have experienced. A loss. Mm. Um, and I want to throw in two other terms that I know people use all the time when we're talking about grief and loss. The first one is bereavement. Now, bereavement does relate directly to a loss through death. So when mm -hmm. you're talking about bereavement, you are talking about loss um, through death. And then mourning, when people are in mourning, um, that's really just our customs and mores in, in different societies in how we handle our loss in the grieving process. That makes sense? Yep. Thank you for that. Now I would like to move to Kate. Um, can you share with us why you started Kate's Club, the importance of having an organization like this, and its impact in the community? Sure. And I just you know, really appreciate Anjali kind of, you know, just laying that foundation because uh, I do think, and in a lot of, when I talk about Kate's Club, we are about death-related loss, mm -hmm. um, but the conversation is so much bigger than that. And I think it always starts with opening the entire landscape of what can cause a person to go on a grief journey. Mm. Um, personally, uh, my mother died when I was 12 years old. And I remember being um, put in the guidance counselor's office when I returned back to school and just kind of sat to the side and I was given a worksheet, seventh grade, you mm. know, preteen. It's already like a really hard time in my life. And I remember the worksheet had uh, the colors of the rainbow and all the feelings that were associated with it. And it was all kind of around this framework of the cycle, the cycles that we go through at grief. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of there's a lot of literature and um, certainly a lot of research around that. But the message that was sent to me was check the box when you feel that emotion. And when you get through this worksheet, 
you're free to go. <laughs> Meaning, mm-hmm. not in a little sense, but like right. you're kind of done with the process. Sure. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as a seventh grade, I was like, okay, like I know how to get through this fast. You know, like mm-hmm. I was so, my natural reaction was I wanted to get back to being a normal kid and a normal teen. So the message that was sent to me was that, okay, I do this in private by myself and then I go on in my life and I can go back into the world. Well, as I got older and my world got bigger, um, you know, I realized what a disservice that was to me. And mm-hmm. not just in honoring um, the morning and the, the intense morning that was following uh, me as a, as a kid, really in the development and the grief mm-hmm. of who I was and who I would become as, as an adult. And the worst thing that it did was it put a, a, a mindset around me that, you know, this only happened to me. I was isolated at mm-hmm. a time when... I really, really would have found value in knowing that there were other kids around me sure. who had experienced mm-hmm. loss. Sure. And when I got older and my world got bigger, I realized that there were a lot of Kates. There were a lot of yeah. me who lost a parent uh, before they were 18. Um, in fact, you know, it's now one in 15 kids before they really? reached 18. Is it really? Yeah. I didn't know wow, that statistic. Yeah. Um, I think it's slightly mm-hmm. higher in um, Georgia. Now, so mm. when I when I got older and I just realized that this was, you know, so um, it actually was happening a lot more, but our culture was so bad at approaching it and at um, really, I think, framing grief as something that is normal. It's actually one of the most normal experiences. The irony is that it is one of the things that will connect all of us. Yeah. Mm. In a world that finds everything possible to divide us, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. this thing that we shame and stigmatize is actually sure. has the power to be a great uniter. Yeah. And um, when I was 19 years old, I you know, was in college and I found this camp that uh, was for children who had lost a parent. And I was like, what is this? <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, yeah. I was like, I got to mm-hmm. check this out, exactly. you know, having had done nothing really in, in, in facing my own grief. And when I got to that camp, um, the camp director uh, asked me to share my story, asked me to open camp with my story. And I'd never shared my story even with my best friend. Were you nervous? I was super, yeah, super yeah. nervous. And mm-hmm. I didn't really even, you know, think much about it. I thought this was like all very odd, right? Mm-hmm. So I got on stage and I just kind of, you know, just started telling my story in a very, you know, non-scripted, you know, mm-hmm. non-formatted way. Yeah. And to this day, I couldn't tell you if I spoke for five minutes or 50 minutes. It was kind of an out-of-body experience. But what happened after I shared that story was a little girl came up to me in the bathroom and she tapped me on the shoulder and she said, you're Kate, right? And I said, yeah. And she said, well, I just wanted to tell you that I lost my mom and my dad. Mm-hmm. And she went on and she told me her story and she told me her story in such a familiar way. Mm-hmm. Like it wasn't stigmatized. It didn't have this stigma yeah. around it. She felt very natural, very empowered to just tell me her story. Sure. And I was like, this is where it's at. I was like, this environment in which a child can, before they are even put in a, in a mm-hmm. cultural system mm-hmm. that shames That's right. the loss, this mm-hmm. child was just free to share her story. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was really, really where the whole vision for Kate's Club started. And Kate's Club uh, was launched 16 years ago. I love how, Shanti, when you opened the, the the show, you said, you know, my siblings and I could have used it. Well, unfortunately for us, it wasn't available. 
I mean, as yeah, long yeah. as the history of you know, you know, parents dying young and yeah. and loss occurring, or a, another in the household, club, if you will, right. yeah, yeah, it just didn't exist. These organizations, yeah. this is really kind of a, a new concept, even though it's not. You mm-hmm. know, again, it's been happening since the beginning of time. Sure. So, 16 years ago, I just you know um, was young and naive, <laughs> but also fearless, and so uh, I had moved to Atlanta. Um, for a different career, and I just decided I wanted to build community for kids who shared an experience around loss. Mm-hmm. That simple. Well, mm-hmm. we have the brilliant doctors and therapists, and, and we we need that. We need the clinical and the professional, mm-hmm. you know, um, support around it. But Kate's Club, from day one to today, is a, a place and environment where kids. Mind you, from all walks of life, sure. I mean, it is one of the most diverse communities of kids because the premature loss of a parent or a sibling knows no socio boundaries. So we gather these kids and we have a whole you know, menu of programs. I won't get all into that, but it's really opened, I think, um, a lot of adults eyes in when you create space uh, and you allow a journey for grief to happen in the time of the person that it's happening and you give them an opportunity to feel safe in expression, especially around their peers. Um, it can be a real catalyst for uh, how much you can change a child's life and the trajectory of that life. That's awesome. Um, so that's Kate's Club. And I remember, I mean, you were one of our honorees at the gala. And I think that was the first you time know, you that, shared that your was story. one of the first times I talked about the idea of taking my own life and, mm. and how my father's suicide had really, really affected me. That was the first big event. So I... I mean, look where we so are. So, like me Just, on that stage, yeah. you were in front of 600 oh my strangers. Gosh. Strangers. Oh, wow. wow. And I was terrified to share that night. And I chose to wear Indian garb. Um, and actually, oh, okay. our team member, Cameron, was, was there with me that night. And But it was so empowering. And the amount of people that came up to me, um, just thanking me for the transparency or for, and for being able to share. So it was very therapeutic for me. So thank you for that night. Um, and thank you for doing Kate's Club. Mm-hmm. I mean, you really are, you know, helping save so many children. You have no idea what you guys are doing and your impact in the community. So thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, next, I'd like to ask Anjali, can you share a little bit about the grief that you know, you experienced obviously our family when our father took his own life and how that affected our emotional health and wellness. So first of all, um, I echo what Shanti said, Kate. Um, congratulations on the success of um, your organization. It is so needed. And you, you raise several great points that I'd like to uh, piggyback off of. Um, the first thing is is just helping people to understand that uh, grief is universal. Mm-hmm. Everybody in the whole world will experience some type of loss and go through grief. And it's an individual um, emotion that we all have to deal with. Um, so I was eight years old when our father committed suicide. Mm-hmm. And I had the unfortunate uh, situation of him actually committing suicide on my bed. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, it was almost nine years between Shanti and I. I'm 
almost nine years her senior. Um, and then our brother is in the middle of us. And so with all three of us being children at different stages, um, I think it had a, a, a different impact on us. Um, not only had we lost our father suddenly, um, the way in which he died mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. in 1971 was such a stigmatized way to die. And so for me personally, um, I carried around a lot of guilt and shame. I would never tell people how my father died. Mm. I don't think I was honest with how he died until I was in undergraduate. I would say anything. He had a heart attack, car accident, mm. um, whatever. And then the other thing for me personally, I was really, really afraid that something would happen to my mother. Mm. And I would always think, well, you know, who will raise us mm -hmm. if our mother dies? And um, that probably plagued me most of my childhood. Um, now, being the clinician that I am, I understand it a lot better. And, you know, back then, uh, one, black people really didn't go to counseling or therapy. Mm -hmm. uh, we didn't really believe in it. Uh, we really couldn't afford it. And so my mom turned to her religion and faith um, to help her through. And I, I think that once I became a teenager, um, I relied heavily on our faith as well. Um, I wish, you know, hindsight's always twenty twenty, that we had gone to therapy. Um, I do think that it has had a lasting impact on um, myself, my two siblings, as well as my mom. I think that our mother uh, has suffered from undiagnosed depression since our father's death, mm -hmm. um, which probably contributed to her diagnosis of Alzheimer's at a relatively young age. Mm -hmm. I'll just add something to that, too, because I think it's so important for people to understand, I think we're starting to open the door thanks to movements like Silent the Shame, where we understand that mental health should be accessible to all. Yes. Mm -hmm. I mean, Absolutely. You, know, you know, support around mental health. Um, a lot of times when I talk about the importance of, you know, really recognizing grief and how profound its impact is, is when it, when, you, you know, this is kind of a weird analogy, but I think it'll frame it well. When a kid falls off a bike, or gets hurt, mm -hmm. you know, the adults around the kid tend to, you know, oh gosh, we probably put some antiseptic on this. Like if the bone's broken, we probably should get them to the ER. You know, we, we immediately go into a mode where we need to treat the wound mm -hmm. on impact. Right. When loss or adversity or, you know, something profound happens to a child emotionally, we kind of sit back and we're like, Let's see how this sets. Mm -hmm. Let's just wait to see if this is a good outcome or a bad mm -hmm. outcome, mm -hmm. right? 
And that's when we start to get into these really, really bad outcomes of unresolved grief, which is the depression, the suicide, the violence, the substance abuse, to understand that those are outcomes of unresolved grief, and then to start Mm. to peel back to the root of what is causing that outcome, we have to acknowledge that grief and loss, profound loss in your childhood is very often the tether back mm-hmm. in that route. And so when you start to look at how you can address these incidences, you know, in when they happen, I often say at the point at which the puncture occurs, we will start to have magnificently better outcomes mm-hmm. into adulthood. Absolutely. Dr. Amstead, do you want to comment? I was just going to say, um, you know, when I, was, when I practice, we have something going back to the breach. Where did the break happen? Because oftentimes people will try to deal with the symptoms versus dealing with the actual issue. And um, just uh, to Shanti, to your sisters, and just how you... Um, just how you conceptualize trauma mm-hmm. and then how trauma and grief impact one another and just listening to the story of you know their father how trauma and grief impact one another and how sometimes we try to split them up you know and how depression and, and suicide and anxiety and all those things we want to treat those mm-hmm. as opposed to dealing with how the trauma either impacted the individual how the trauma and or the grief together impacted the individual and I just wanted to just get from you and um, Angelique, like what it, when you guys are providing something, how do you support trauma and grief when they're simultaneous? You know, when I walk in and find my parent or when there is a car accident and I witness their transition, you know, how do you guys um, help with that or how do you support that? Or what does that look like Kate, for you? I think um, bringing up the, you know, the importance of recognizing uh, the, you know, how kind of the spectrum of loss. Um, You know, Anjali talked about this at the beginning, but, you know, witnessing, uh, you know, a a significant death, right? Um, Or, you know, suicide. Some of these are are way more intense in their levels of trauma uh, than other cases. And it's not about judging any of that, right? Like it's all, it's all a reaction to the individual themselves, but that's why it's as important to have clinical support um, as it is to have ongoing community. Right. And that's where Kate's Club really comes in. Yeah. You know, we, um, Kate's Club does not directly treat a child or a family one-on-one. We have referral resources right. oh, okay. to do okay. that. We are really framed around the long-term community support for this child where mm-hmm. they can start to get on a path of growth and development. Um, but then the depth of trauma, and, and this is, again, Anjali can speak to this, um, you know, that sometimes has to be treated in a more concentrated, okay. intense way. Okay. But a lot of what our thesis is, my, you know, and, and what I wanted to start with Kate's Club was that that isolation in that treatment is very important. But so is then the opening and the expression in the community of the long-term support around grief. We tend to think it's a seven-week, you know, (laughs) seven-month trip. And it's like, no, this changes your life forever. It doesn't have to stop it, though. It doesn't have to be a hindrance, even. Um, and that's where the two pieces come in together. I think it's when you can combine that really that intense therapy with the ongoing community and support. Um, that's where I just see a world where we, where it will be okay to grieve and that will have the better outcomes that we and desire. And I just think one, one second when you think about just overall emotional health and wellness or even mental health mm-hmm. when. 
you seek treatment, right? So if, you, if you're going through depression, you still need the self-care, right? And your self-care could be community. You know, that's why we, it's um, so important that we do our self-care Saturdays where we bring the community together and you're healing together, whether it's through mindfulness or through yoga or through meditation or we're creating art together. It, it, it's like so many different components that go into the healing. And so I think you're absolutely right. And, and we see that through other things that we face and that we grieve through as well. Yeah, and, and Anjali can speak to this a little bit. I'd love to hear her version. But, you know, a lot of times we also, our culture thinks that, you know, therapy is a fix. It's really a practice, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. It's, it's really an understanding and a practice um, to be able to heal those psychological wounds, much like we would, you know, um, rehab yeah. an arm, or, yeah. you know, or mm-hmm. something. So I think people knowing you know, what they're seeking when they do um, see a therapist yeah. and, and get clinical help. I think even the mindset around what to expect um, and, and what to seek is important as we kind of educate people around mental. Anjali, mental did you have anything to add to that? So, okay, you're absolutely right. I mean, again, grief is a natural emotion. And some people um, can experience a loss and go through the grieving process. And they may not even need to go to... Um, a counselor. Um, it is when people cannot handle the grief process on their own, if they try and suppress it. Um, you know, in our society, what most companies give you three days of bereavement leave. So it's like, <laughs> you know, you lose somebody close to you three days, oh, you're supposed to come back to work and, and be back to normal. Um, the other thing is I think a lot of people, when they talk about the grieving process, um, they think of the five stages of grief, which is um, by a clinician, uh, Elizabeth Kubler-Ross. Um, a lot of people do go through those stages, but grief is not necessarily a, a, a linear process either. Um, it just depends. When you're going through the grieving process, the ultimate goal is to get a person to be able to remember their loved one with love instead of every time you remember them, it's debilitating pain. Uh, mm. When you truly love somebody, you know, pain never goes away, but you are trying to get back to a healthy state where you can accept your new normal and move forward. And I wanted to ask um, both Kate and Anjali this. When you lose a parent at a young age, um, does it sometimes force you to feel as if you have to grow up very quickly? And then in that process, because I've heard people say that sometimes they feel like they don't have time to grieve, you know, so they have to get to making their life back normal. Or if there's or at that moment when you have a loss, you feel like you have to supplement for the loss. So, like, does that. And can you be grieving and not realize that you're grieving? First of all, totally. Mm -hmm. I'll talk a little bit about kids because um, I think one of the biggest misnomers out there about a a young person uh, who experiences profound loss is that we expect them to begin to process it right away. It's Mm -hmm. the biggest difference between adults and kids. When you're an adult, you kind of have a little bit more, um, you know, of a psyche that's like, yes, this is probably something that's going to impact me. I probably should begin to process it, seek help, 
talk to somebody. When it happens when you're younger, there's a lot of research that actually shows that kids will even begin the grieving process for a year or two. Mm. after the grief occurs, Mm -hmm. that the most natural reaction is to get back to a state of routine Mm -hmm. and normalcy. So sometimes it's another loss. It's a change of a classroom or even a sports team that then will trigger, that change will then trigger the first more profound loss. And Mm. then, yes, you can see a situation of acceleration, you know, which was probably what Anjali was feeling as the older sibling that they, you know, the caretaker, I've got a lot on my shoulders, you know, so that can be accelerated. And sometimes you see regression. Mm. You'll see younger kids start to wet the bed again or Mm. start to do bad, you know, so it's not one recipe for anybody. There's a lot of variables, age, who was lost, all of that. But I think the thing to remember as adults surrounding children, whether it's in the classroom or at home or in our churches, um, is that, the, the child sometimes will not immediately go into pre- processing the grief, and that's okay. And that's another reason that Kate's Club really introduces the child to support in a way that's fun and engaging so mm-hmm. that they're you know, able to really recognize when they're ready mm-hmm. to begin the process. Mm-hmm. Anjali, do you want to add to that? Sure. So um, for me, my father died about a month before I turned nine. Oh, wow. And I always say that I I grew up at age nine. Mm. I didn't have a childhood after that. Um, And a big part of that was the way that my mom um, dealt with her own grief. Uh, You know, the oldest child, and so she turned to me um, for a lot of assistance. Um, And, you know, for me, it just... It was just how life was. It wasn't until I was older and I was starting my own family that I think I looked back and realized maybe some of the additional challenges or just how fast I actually had to grow up. And one of the things that um, Kate just said, you know, kids... Their frontal lobe is where our rationalization, our reasoning, all that. Well, it it doesn't fully develop until age 25. And a lot mm-hmm. of times, some kids, they're, they're not of processing right away. Say that part again because your phone went out. They're not what? They're not capable of processing, um, you know, exactly what a loss means when something happens right away, just as Kate said. Mm. And can I just say this? um, One, I'm just grateful that we're having this conversation. And Anjali, I don't think you and I, you know, over the years, we just went about our lives. Mm. And um, I think as we got older, we started to share more and talk about it as a family. And I'm going to try not to get emotional but, you know, this is real. And part of, I think, what people like about Silence of Shame is that we laugh, we cry. You know, mm-hmm. we have these authentic conversations um, that can help people through what they're going through. But, Anjali, what you said was, you know, because you were the oldest, so mom naturally turned to you. But I often felt guilty um, because you had to grow up so young. When you would say this to me as an adult, it put me in a weird place where I blame myself for being the youngest. You know, if I had been, you know, older, I could have helped you. Mm-hmm. 
And it wouldn't have been so much pressure on you having to step up and be our mom, you know, when mom wasn't there at times when she was working. So it's a lot of pressure on kids mm-hmm. when you talk about grief and even as an adult and you look back on your life and you wish you could have done things li- differently or you had a Kate's club or you had a therapist like Dr. Umstead. I just want to say thank you for what you did for our family and helping us through the grief and loss when you didn't even get to really grieve on your own. Mm-hmm. You know, I think... Um, so... Shanti and I, um, we we demonstrate our emotions separately. So I'm I'm not really a crier, but I take everything inside, and it breaks my heart to hear my little sister cry, even though we're in our forties and fifties. Again, when I was growing up, uh, it just how was life. Life was, and um, I've always been very protective of um, Auntie. Um, <laughs> yes, she has. <laughs> and, you know, I laugh. Um, I have my own daughter who's about to turn 18, and she gets so mad at me because I'm forever calling her Shanti. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, you know, it's, again, and I, and I laugh. Because I um, say to Shanti, oh boy, it's like raising you all over again. Mm -hmm. So, you know, yes, we had some hard times, but, you know, we we persevered and we we made it through. And, yeah, so I love you, Shanti. (laughs) <laughs> love you too. <laughs> I just I just wanted to add too. I think yeah. that that experience amongst siblings is very very normal mm-hmm. too mm-hmm. because the thing I point out which sa- I say this so much and it, when I say it you're going to be like you know duh but we don't in the moment. <laughs> yeah. You know, families tend to you know really avoid Oh, expressing yeah. grief out of protection it's really out of love yeah. mm-hmm. um but nobody wants to make the other person you know uncomfortable or what's going to trigger that so we learn to kind of walk on eggshells with each other and the thing i always point out is that we have to recognize when we're especially when we're dealing with the family unit and and profound loss even though that same human died the relationship with that human was different for every yes. single mm-hmm. person yes mm-hmm. so even outside of your age difference the experience with that person was different. Mm-hmm. Um, the experience with that person's death was different. And what Kate's Club does, and we do this very intentionally, is that we separate these age groups. We separate siblings. So, you know, Shanti and her sister, you know, both, you know, are members, <laughs> or would have been members of Kate's Club. We would have had the park <coughs> bench program for their mom. Mm-hmm. So she could talk about mom stuff and mm-hmm. adult yeah. stuff. You know, Anjali would have had, you know, the teen group, you know, and Shanti would have had her little age group. And that way they can learn to express and process their grief mm-hmm. as yeah. an individual. Yeah. And then when the family unit comes back together, one, we have family services, but also they can start to, you know, have these conversations a lot earlier and start mm-hmm. to grow in their love for each other again as this new family unit. My relationship with my brother is, I mean, the story's not much different. He was older, mm. you know, and um, it's just, it's so, 
I'm so glad that there is love there yeah. um, because I agree. I mean, Anjali, the the role and what you had to carry on your shoulders um, is is just a miracle worker. And you know, Shanti, I mean, you carried a lot too. You know, mm-hmm. and you both did. Mm-hmm. And your mom was doing the best that she could. You know, I, like people are like, well, you, were you mad at your dad? You know, because my dad made a lot of mistakes. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. A lot of mistakes. Um, but that's another episode. But um, <laughs> but the point is, is that people would always be like, are you mad? And you're mad. And, you know, forgiveness is, is a big thing. But, you know, we all are just doing the best that we can in yeah. a situation mm-hmm. that we yeah. don't. Yep. prepare for and Absolutely. that we're never prepared for so um i love that y'all just had that moment but for sure Thank you. yeah and so we have a yeah go ahead angelique well i guess angelique, three of yeah. you angelique i'm sorry a question um you know how sometimes people tend to think that we go through the process like you go with the grieving process you go step one two three four and then it's mm-hmm. over you know yeah but can you guys explain how and if if you did how you vacillated through that process like you know where you might have gotten to you know, acceptance for a couple of weeks and then you went back, you know, to a portion of the process. Because I think sometimes people tend to mm. think even with loss, where it, whether it's associated with the death of a loved one or loss with, you know, a, a boyfriend or someone you've been you were going to marry or someone, you know, you felt like was going to be a part of your life and how people like, girl, you just need to let that go. Because I've actually heard people say that to people who have lost, whether it's through death um, or through a relationship, you need to let that go. And the relationship ended. 40 minutes ago, mm. you know, but can you guys kind of explain how you vacillated or did you vacillate in the process? Anjali, you want to start? Uh, sure. Um, so I, I definitely think that um, first thing was just denial and, and disbelief. And I think that is, is so common, particularly when a death is, is sudden. Um, and then know, a loss of, of, of anyone, no matter how um, the loss occurs, is, is devastating. Um, but when you have uh, some added trauma to it, um, it, it complicates it. And actually, that's a term. It's complicated grief. Um, and so for me, I think I was stuck in denial for a long time. Um, then I was angry with my father. Um, I used to always say that um, suicide is a uh, permanent solution to a temporary problem. So I was very angry with him. I did not understand for a long time whatever his problem was. Why couldn't he work it out? Um, and Again, I, I I think because I had to work through all of this uh, on my own as well as Shanti and my siblings, um, it wasn't until I was an adult and started going to therapy myself that I finally got to an acceptance point. Mm-hmm. And wow. I want to comment on one of the things that you said. You know, yes, people will always say, oh, you need to get over it, whatever. You know, no one knows how another individual truly feels about the loss of anything. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you know, if we can help people to understand just this one that your grief, an individual's grief, is that individual's grief. 
and they need to deal with it however it suits them. There is no right or wrong way um, to deal with grief. And it, again, it is not like you can just snap your finger and, it, and it's over. And for me, I'll just add quickly, um, I know our time is going to be coming to an end soon because I have some very important people on the phone and in the room. <laughs> but um, for me, Dr. Umstead, I buried my feelings as well, like my sister said. And I really never dealt with it until I was an adult. Um, also, what really started triggering me is when I moved to New York City and started experiencing adversity in the workplace. And then it just started allowing me to self-reflect and yeah. take a look at other things in my life. And I started thinking about my mom, started thinking about my dad, started thinking about I was in New York with no family. You know, I had some good friends, but no real support system. And so that was one of the first times that I uttered the words, maybe I should just kill myself when I was in New York City. And my boyfriend at the time called my sister. And once again, she put that cape on and rescued me, even though she wasn't in New York City. And I realized I was still grieving about my dad and hadn't properly learned how to channel a lot of my emotions because of that anger and that frustration. So then you fast forward to 2014 when my best friend took her own life. Whew. And my sister, I think she was more worried about me than I was because I had talked to my best friend the day before it happened, and mm. she took her own life the same way that my father did. Mm. That rocked me to the core yeah. and almost took me out. And that's why the following year, because that brought up so many more emotions about it's almost like, you know, here I am 45 plus years old, really, really going through the grief process about my father, which is what sent me into my own depression and suicidal ideation. And I was ready to end it all because I had not properly gone through the steps to heal from the, the grief and loss of my father. Right. You can, I, think this I, is, I just want to add one more thing. I'll be remiss if I did not mention my husband. Um, my husband and I were high school sweethearts. We dated for seven years, and we've been married for 33 years. Mm -hmm. um, and he really um, was my crutch and um, really helped me deal with not only the death of, of our dad, but just my responsibilities, um, everything. And my oldest son has um, some mental health issues, and he's attempted suicide several times. Um, it's different. As a child, you know, losing a parent to suicide, when you become the parent mm. and you have the fear of your own child hmm. taking their own life. So um, because of my dad and because of my son, um, that's why I'm doing what I do. Mm. Kate, did you want to add? Yeah, I just, you know, I do think we are, tr we truly have a cultural epidemic around um, this very conversation. And you'll, no one has ever outrun grief. I mean, let's just acknowledge it. Like mm -hmm. nobody has in a way that then they've had a full, joyful life. And I, I do. I'm looking. I'm looking at free the vision because I'm like, mm -hmm. 
this is particularly with males and Mm -hmm. um grief is not the enemy Mm -hmm. i was gonna unresolved grief is the enemy Mm. so we have got to start to change our mindset in our society that somehow the arrival of grief because grief is going to happen we have we i was going to have no choice in that but we do have a choice in how we handle it. Mm-hmm. And like anything that moves society forward, if we have a, a, a volume, a massive volume of people, much like Silence the Shame movement, if we have people start to you know, really work to reframe the mindset, that's, it's really these kids down at Kate's Club that are changing this. That's they right. they will mm-hmm. change it for an entire generation because they are learning that grief is actually something that one is normal, which we've said a few times, but is an opportunity to connect, mm-hmm. an opportunity to grow, mm-hmm. and an opportunity to actually really, really understand what matters in life. Mm-hmm. So can you, because I know you were kind of like toying with this new movement of your own to that point. Can you share a little bit about that, Kate? Yeah, I mean, I obviously am very passionate about this subject matter. Um, you know, I have accepted, I've, you know, gone through my own journey. I've had acceptance around my grief. I've been very fortunate that of that. But I also know that that doesn't mean my grief journey is over. Mm-hmm. I am a grieving human. Yeah. I will mm-hmm. always be. But for me, that allows me to connect. That allows me to grow. That allows me to understand love. I always say sadness is what is required for the joy that is desired. You cannot experience or know true joy if you do not truly, truly experience and feel sadness. Mm -hmm. So I'm just starting this new movement that grief is growth and really just helping Mm -hmm. to change our mindset from a fundamental level to not be afraid of grief, to not feel that we have to, you know, walk through life without with pushing it aside because we will not win Mm -hmm. we just will not win you know Mm -hmm. and so many conversations around depression and and look we we definitely see those outcomes in our society and they're the highest that they've ever been Mm -hmm. suicide Mm -hmm. drug abuse violence you know all this stuff it's never been so bad so it's like when do we start to say okay well you know we actually can get to the root of this and all hope is not lost. Mm-hmm. If we change our mindset around how we accept and face grief. And that's what I'm just really, really passionate about. And I'll I'll be on your sideline, Shanti, for as long as you need me Same to be. here. Um, because I think while we can change this for the next generation from the get-go, and that's what Kate's Club is doing, we got a lot of retrofitting work we got to do with ourselves <laughs> in our 30s and 40s. But we can do that together. We can yeah. build community. Yeah. We can empower expression. You know, we can truly, truly anchor faith. Yes. You know, and, and understanding around this. And our tr- I think it will bring more people together. I, I think it's the, it's the biggest irony of everything, right? We're all walking around trying to think what we can be connected to, what can be our connected tissue. And what if all along it's... It's loss, you know, mm-hmm. and it is it is grief. Um, so that's what that's what I hope to really um, start to be. That's able to amazing. Change. Well, you mm-hmm. know that Silence of Shame is here to support grief is growth, um, and we're going to start using that hashtag, and especially love. when we post this. Yes, hashtag mm-hmm. love, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Anjali, um, my last question for you is: um, when we've been talking, obviously, about this through our own experiences, but. You know, what advice would you give someone who recently experienced the loss of a family member or a close friend? Should they, you know, immediately see a grief counselor? 
talk to someone within their faith community um, so that they can try to have healthy ways to cope and avoid getting into a deep depression, you know, the anxiety and even suicidal ideation like I went through, but many years later. So, uh, again, just like um, loss and the grief itself is individual, I think the treatment is individual as well. Um, When we're talking about a child, particularly a child uh, losing a parent, I would recommend them uh, seeking counseling immediately. Um, As an adult, if they have experienced a complicated loss, you know, uh, a sudden death of someone, et cetera, um, I definitely would recommend um, immediate counseling. Um, For other people, it it just depends. If they have a strong um, faith community or just a social support system, that may be all they need to help them get through it. Um, The main thing is that when we are trying to comfort someone who has experienced a loss, Mm -hmm. um, it would really behoove society if people understood the type of comments that they say to people. Um, you know, if someone experiences a loss and they say, well, at least, don't ever say that to someone. Yeah. You know, you lose a child. Well, at least you have another child. Well, that has nothing to do with the person losing mm. that child. And even people, when sometimes mm. they lose a loved one or grandparent, a parent that's like in their 90s, well, at least they lived a good life. Yes, they did, but it's still a loss. Yeah. Mm. And they still have to go through that exactly. grieving process. Exactly. I think if we could be more open and accepting of people's feelings, mm-hmm. um, you know, that's the main thing. It, when people experience a loss, it's to provide them support. And comfort. Um, yes, thank you, Kate. Um, any parting words? And I also want to ask you: Do you know of any other um, organizations nationally that are similar to Kate's Club, or do you have any additional resources on your website? Tell us how our listeners can reach Kate's Club um, for future information as well. Sure. So I'll, I'll start with Kate's Club. So you can go to katesclub.org. Um, what's interesting is that there is really no national umbrella around children's grief Mm -hmm. um, from a service standpoint. But there are local community organizations doing this work all over the country. If you go to katesclub.org, there's actually a directory there. So if you're not in Atlanta or the metro Atlanta area, there is an organization called Experience Camps that are held in different parts um, of the country. And those are, you know, three-day bereavement camps for for children, Mm -hmm. um, 5 to 18. Uh, Certainly reach out... um, you know, uh, to me, my personal website is kateoutwood.com and send me a note. I know a lot of where these organizations are. Kate's Club can also, if you are looking for clinical support, can also connect you to that um, piece as well. Amazing. Um, yeah. And then I would just, if you go to kateoutwood.com, um, also just mention my book. Sometimes people aren't necessarily ready to jump right in to community, but my book is called A Healing Place and it is written for the surviving caregiver to help understand how they can uh, help 
help their child through the grieving process. So it's a lot of my story and working with the kids at Kate's Club, but it's really how to help a child um, kind of begin the grief journey. So um, that, again, can be at kateoutwood.com, katesclub.org. Um, and just, I think, parting words, just kudos to what you're doing. I mean, Thank the you. more we can open this conversation, the more we can bring people out of the darkness that um, is, you know, unfortunately the corner that a lot of people choose to put themselves in when they go through um, profound, complex grief. Yeah. Uh, and we, it is a unique experience, mm-hmm. but it uniquely requires community around it. And, and that's just, I want people more than anybody to know that they are not alone. Well, mm-hmm. I, I certainly, I mean, you know, I adore you. Um, and I'm going to say this publicly. Um, let's really, let, let's sit down and put our heads together and see what we can do even within the city of Atlanta to have more of these safe space conversations, whether they're in the workplace. You know, I think anybody, whether they're children or adults, can benefit from this conversation. So I love to take this show on the road. And I mean, you're already on episode 19. You get stuff done. I'll, do, I'll definitely come and do some work with you. You just, you just text me. I'll be over. Thank you. Anjali, any parting words or anything that we can look out for uh, with your future plans or anything you want to say on grief and loss as we close out? Um, so I'm in Charlotte. I haven't been in Atlanta in 30 years, but um, there is an organization that is very similar to Kate's Club here, and it's called Kinder Mourn. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and uh, it's kindermourn.org. Um, the only other thing, and I know we're out of time, but um, I chose to um, seek licensure in both mental health and substance abuse because um, the two are so interrelated. Mm -hmm. And um, unfortunately, with the rise of so many illicit drugs these days, um, I have experienced and found that a lot of younger people who are going through some type of grieving process or have experienced some type of trauma are turning to substances. Yeah. Um, to That's another deal. podcast right there. Oof. And um, so I, um, yeah, I'm just uh, looking forward to uh, getting my practice up and running and um, working with various populations. Well, thank you so much. We want to thank again Kate Atwood of Kate's Club. Thank Anjali Arnold for calling in and sharing Mm -hmm. your story. We look forward to supporting you in the work that you do in the Charlotte-Mecklenburg area. Thank you, Dr. Umstead, for sitting in today and contributing. Thank you to my amazing co-hosts, Free the Vision, Free Any Parting Words. Um, I'm like Anjali. I'm sad that it's out of time. I I wanted to ask something that I hope doesn't take us on a um tangent but i wanted to ask for especially for males do you feel that grief is inevitable like when you have a loss is grief inevitable yes okay yeah men aren't just not strong where they don't yeah i understand grief. that i understand that grief looks different on everyone that's, that's why right. i asked that question that's right yeah. good question mm-hmm. though and, and and that's a good thing grief yeah being inevitable it's mm-hmm. you know it's it, it's a good thing mm-hmm. we just have to change our mindset to that Mm-hmm. Yes, we do. Well, thank you, everyone, for listening. Again, this is episode 19 of the Silence to Shame podcast on grief and loss. 
please make sure you're sharing it with your community as mm-hmm. free says rate mm-hmm. subscribe, subscribe and comment and comment and uh, let people know um, what you're enjoying and, and, and share this information and um, what you would like to see too. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Uh, we hope to do more around grief and loss. Certainly one episode is not enough. Right. So if you're interested in sharing your story, shoot us a message on our Facebook page, which is at silence th shame. Follow us on Instagram at silence the shame. Um, and look for us in a city near you to be doing a community conversation soon, mm-hmm. hopefully around grief and loss. So thank you so much. I am your host, Shanti Das. Free the vision. Free the vision. We are signing off. Mm-hmm. Peace and love. Take time. Save a life and silence the shame. You or anyone you love needs a hand. Please shine light on the darkness. Spark the conversation. It's time we silence the shame. Let's talk about it.